Everybody, I'm so excited to, to share the word with you tonight. I really feel like God's given me a specific word to share, something that I've been challenged with personally and just walking through and uh, just really diving into some more. So I want to encourage you to open up your heart uh, as we dive into the scriptures. Uh, John 13 and 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, all will know. Um, Jesus was getting ready to fulfill his mission on the cross at this time. He's talking to his disciples. He, earlier in this chapter, he washed their feet and he, he explained the, the importance of that. He explained the kingdom value of what he was doing. Um, at this point in Jesus' ministry, he is nearing the fulfillment. He is nearing the cross. And I just believe that at, you know, when you know you're at the end of something, and you've poured your life into it, and you know you're at the end of something that's going to be new, you, you share what's more valuable, you share what's more important. And Jesus is, is sharing this teaching about a new commandment that he's giving, and that is to love one another. Um, John 13, 35 in the NLT says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Uh, I, I really believe in common knowledge that we're living in interesting times and there's just a lot of division, and a lot of confusion, and it's even being expressed even more so through, through, through the access that we have to commentaries, opinions, and, and everything that's going on. And I really believe, you know, that, that the church is the hope of the world. And that is because the church is the body of Christ. And if we have anything to prove, if we have anything to say, if we have anything to preach, I believe it's this right here. You know, we can argue, we can debate, we can try to prove our opinion, we can try to establish through facts what, why we believe what we believe, but I believe Jesus is telling us today that if you're going to prove anything, may you prove to the world, may you prove to everybody around you that you are my disciples, that you are who, who I've called you to be, that you are the hope, that you are the hands and feet of Jesus. If you're going to prove anything, may you prove through the way that you love, through the way that God has called us to love. How, how are we proving to the world that we follow Jesus? How we, can we prove in this time of confusion, of, of uncertainty? It's through love. Colossians chapter uh, 3, Paul is, is dealing with the church and, you know, there's just been a lot of division and confusion. And he brings this word and I, I believe that it's love explained, love walked out. And I'd love to just dive into this scripture and teach a little bit about what that looks like. Because when we say uh, the answer is love and, and go out and love and we got to love, you know, that might look different. Uh, for from one person to the next, it might look different in how you define that. Love is a is a is a very interesting word, and it's defined differently. Um, but I believe that there's a key in this scripture of what love really looks like in a practical, lived out day by day life. Uh, Colossians three verse nine says, "Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self." which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. I think it's interesting that there's race 
involved there. It's not about Jew or Gentile. I believe, I, I see it's interesting that there's even religion involved there. It's not about whether you're circumcised or not, whether you're free or not, whether you're barbarian or sin, but it's about Jesus. It's about Christ. It's about the fact that we're all created in the Im image of Christ. In verse 12, he goes on to say, therefore, because it's not about race, because it's not, love doesn't depend on your race. Let me say it that way. Because love does not depend on what you, how you believe and others believe. Because of all of this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves, literally put on, clothe yourselves with these different things. And I, I want to just help us, I want to teach on that tonight. I want to just in a practical way, kind of uh, develop what that might look like and what that means. And uh, he starts off by saying, clothe yourselves with compassion. Uh, compassion is, 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 the, is the idea, it is the thing that, that where you put yourself in the other person's situation. When you have true biblical compassion, when you put on compassion, it is to hurt with, people's, with people who hurt. Uh, you may not understand exactly how they feel. I don't know about you, but when I've tried to approach somebody in their pain, you know, sometimes you'll get, well, you don't understand what I'm feeling. You don't understand what I'm going through. And that might be true. But one thing that compassion does is, although you don't understand exactly how they feel or what they're going through, because of compassion, you can understand that they are hurting. You can understand that the fact that they are in need and they're in pain and that compassion is what identifies. Hurt identifies with hurt. Pain can identify with pain. You, might, you don't have to know everything about what they're going through, but to have compassion is to say, I see you. I see you and I see that you're hurting and it draws me closer to you. Psalms 116 verse five, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. He is full of compassion. Uh, Matthew 9, 36, when he saw, speaking of Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus was teaching. He was healing. He was, he was busy. He was doing the, the work of the kingdom of God. And he's, he's going about all these different villages just prior to this text here. And then it says that when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Our God is full of compassion. That same love that, that, that is God, that God has, is the same love that he's given to you has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But we are to put that on. We are to put that on. When I think about um, an item, if you will, because Paul says, clothe yourselves. I, I, I really believe if I had something up here, an object, if I were to explain it and picture it, I believe that compassion would be represented by glasses. If I were to put some glasses on, I believe that the key with compassion is by what you see, is by what you see. I, I, it says this in this text, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he saw them not just as a group of people, he saw them not just as a, 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 a body of, of, of families and of different people looking and maybe trying to get close to him, but he saw them 
as individuals. He saw the multitudes, but he saw within the multitude because he had compassion. How do I know that? Well, it says that he saw them that they were weary. They were, another translation says, they were harassed. Uh, they were scattered. They, they were like sheep without a, a shepherd, without direction, without a fatherly love, without help, without that, that influence of a father. I believe compassion would be glasses. You know, when I was, uh, when I was young, I gave my life to Jesus when I was about 16. But before I actually gave my life to Jesus, before I surrendered my heart to Jesus, um, I, was, I was living with my grandmother, just financial difficulties within my family. And so I was, for a season as a kid, I was living with my grandmother. And she was very involved in the Spanish Pentecostal church. And she would just bring me along. And I remember as a kid, I had no idea what was going on for a couple of reasons. Number one, I was young and they didn't have services for kids. I'd sit in the pew with my grandma for an hour and a half and two hours. So thank you, Jesus, for, for res kids and, 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 and youth ministry and all of this. But I, I remember I was confused because I didn't understand what was going on. But I was also confused because I didn't understand Spanish. And being Hispanic, I just didn't know Spanish really well. I can understand some, but not enough to really know what's going on. And so I remember sitting there and, and going consistently. I must have been, I mean, maybe around 10 years old, 11 years old. And uh, I remember going to the altar. I remember trying to participate and really trying to bring my heart into what was going on, even though I didn't understand up here. And there was a, a man by the name of Junior. And I always remember Junior because he approached me different times and he'd, he'd notice me and he'd come and pray for me. He'd come behind me and he just, I remember his prayers were so heartfelt and he didn't know me and he would just pray these prayers of insight. And, and I wondered if he knew who I was. And later on, you know, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus and I, I, I started to become more involved and understanding a little bit more of the language and, and, and about the Bible. And Junior took me under his wing. And he discipled me and he really helped me to grow. And he later on even encouraged me because he saw the gift of and the calling on my life. He encouraged me to do something with it, to go to a Bible school, to go and, and study the Bible and, 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 and jump into ministry as a, as, a, as a young adult, as a teen. And I look back now and I, and I, and I, I know that my life was changed because of him. I know that me growing up without a father, I know God brought someone along my life. And even though I didn't see it then, I didn't realize it then, I look back now and I believe that he had compassion on me. I believe he took time. I believe he saw me within the crowd. He saw me as a young, as a kid, not really knowing what's going on, not really understanding while I was there, but he saw that and he, and he, and, and he was moved by compassion. Today, Junior is in heaven. And, and, and I thank God for him because he marked my life. Because of him, I, I got more closer to the Lord. I, I ended up going to a Bible school. And, and, and I can just go on and on about I, what I believe God did through Junior. But I believe that he was moved with compassion. And I believe compassion is, is the feeling. Compassion is the, is the, is the thing that, that, that will move you with emotion that will really weigh in on your heart and really notice the hurting, the need, and whatever it is that God is, is, is bringing you to do. Um, 
what I'd like to do is actually um, say a prayer right now. You know, we're used to praying at the end, but, you know, I felt like the Holy Spirit really um, put on my heart to pray and really to ask the Lord for these things as we go. So right there where you're at, would you just close your eyes and would you just repeat this after me? Say, Heavenly Father, I ask that you would give me compassion. Open my eyes to see what you see. In Jesus' name, amen. The second thing Paul lists is, is kindness. And uh, if compassion is the feeling, then kindness is the action to do something because of that feeling. Biblical kindness is, is truly birthed out of compassion. You know, you can, you can be nice to somebody. Uh, you, can, you can show, you can, you can do an act of kindness and be like, yeah, I, I did something. But, but if it's true biblical kindness, if we're talking about love, God's love, if we're talking about proving to the world that you are his disciples, that there is a God who exists, if you're talking about proving through love, through Jesus' love, it is biblical kindness. It is kindness that is not just doing something nice just to do it, but it is kindness that is birthed out of compassion. There is a weight of compassion. There's a heaviness through what you can see, through what the Lord has given you perspective through it with. And now, he, now with it, it's not enough just to notice. It's not enough just to feel. But he's calling us to put on kindness. To put on kindness. Um, when you define it, it is literally, it means to loan someone your strength. To give someone your strength for a while. Um, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to add to your weakness right now. You may not be a weak person, but you might be going through something that is that, that is causing you to feel weak. Well, out of biblical kindness, I'm going to loan my strength to you at this time. Um, Luke 10, verse 29. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. And uh, in the TPT translation, wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further. This is the rich young ruler. He asked Jesus, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? And uh, Jesus said, what were you taught? He says, I got to just obey the commandments and honor God and love God. He said, that's right. But you also got to love your neighbor as yourself. And so now he's wanting to justify what that means. He questions Jesus further saying, what do you mean by my neighbor? What do you mean by loving my neighbor? What does that mean? And Jesus replied, listen, and I'll tell you. There was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. When bandits robbed him along the way, they beat him severely, stripped him naked, and they left him half dead. Soon a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man, seeing him from the distance. The priest crossed over to the other side. So he saw this man beaten. And this is a priest thinking that this would be the person that would call him his neighbor, actually went to the other side trying to avoid the need. Uh, and he walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came along down the same road and likewise crossed to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down. He gave him first aid. Listen to this, kindness. 
pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine, bandaging, bandaging them to stop the bleeding, lifting him up. <clears throat> he placed him on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning, he took his own money from his wallet, gave it to the innkeeper with these words, take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I'll repay you when I return. So now tell me which one of these three men who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor. Religious scholar responded, the one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. Jesus said, you must go and do the same as he. This, this, this young scholar, this young ruler, he's having a discussion with Jesus and he's trying to, you know, really be particular and, and, and be specific. Like, who's my neighbor? In other words, can I get around this thing with loving people that I feel is deserving of being loved? Can I get around this thing of like showing kindness to people who only show kindness to me? And I think Jesus just shatters that thought. I believe Jesus just, every way that he's trying to go around, I believe Jesus just shatters it with this and says, because when you look at this, you have, uh, 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 you have a priest, you have a Levi, you have these leaders that are supposed to be representing goodness and, and kindness and, and love and the law. But yet a Samaritan, the last person you would have thought, because it's a Jewish man that's that's beaten. It's a Jewish man. It's a different race. It's, these guys don't really get along. There's different beliefs. There's, they weren't born into the Jewish race, so they don't deserve the same love that I'm giving my Jewish brethren. No, that's not what Jesus is calling us to do. It doesn't matter race. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what, what, what side of, 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 of policy, what side of, of, of what you believe with, with um, the politicians and all these things and culture. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, Jesus has given us love to love our neighbor, to love one another, to prove that we are his disciples. It is, it is the compassion that drives us to action. If there's a, 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 an article of clothing that I would have up here, I think it would be pants because it moves you to action. You, 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 you move to action with kindness. Um, and so it, it, is, it, is a, it is a God-given biblical kindness is to show, is to do and to be moved with compassion and to do something. I remember uh, um, several months ago, a while ago, I was driving home from, from church, from work, and uh, I, was on, I was on M6 and I, I got off and there was a car that was stalled. There's a car uh, that wasn't moving. I could tell that he was having trouble. And so right away, you know, I, I felt for him. Why? Because I've been there. I've been there. And it was a, a young man and um, I remember thinking for a second, like, Lord, help him. And when I said that, I felt like I needed to help him. And I saw, I, I pulled over to the side. It was a busy spot and he was right in the middle and he's still in his car. And so I, I came over to him and I asked him if he needed some help and what can I do to help him? And he wasn't sure. He thought he ran out of gas. So we, I helped him and I pushed, I helped him push the car off to the side and then I invited him to go get gas. I said, listen, there's a gas station down the street. Why don't you come in with me? And I will, I will uh, help you get gas. It's what I felt God called me to do. It's what I felt, the compassion, the kindness there. And so we did that. We got some gas, put it back, and it didn't start. So it was something totally different. So what I decided to do at that point was to give him a ride home. 
I figured that was the least I can do. And he lived kind of far. And he told me, hey, I kind of live far. I said, that's fine. So he agreed, you know, to receive my help. And we're, and his name's Dennis. I found out his name's Dennis. Um, and we're, we're both in my car. It's just him and I on my way home, right? And I figured this is an opportunity to share Jesus with this man. I mean, he's in my car. We're on the highway. If he really doesn't like it, I don't think he really has much of an option, right? But I wanted to do this in a loving way. And so I, I began to ask him a little bit about, about uh, his background and what he believes about God, about Jesus. We pull up to his house. By the time we get to his house, he's crying. And I led him in a prayer to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. I, it was amazing. I, I was just so blessed. The thing about kindness is that's amazing is that when it's the, for the right reasons, when it's birthed out of compassion, you bless others, but you yourself are blessed too. And uh, I invited him to come to church. Um, he ended up, he, was, he agreed to it. And then he called me during the week. He ended up saying that a family member of his, of his got in touch with him, invited him to church. He went to church. He received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it, it, the rest of says, I was just, I was just amazed by that little thing that I felt I did was a huge thing because he was in need. Um, a common thing, you know, he ran, car problems, but yet God used that because of kindness, because of love. And I was able to share the love of Jesus that forever changed this man. To God be the glory. And, and that's what we're doing. That's what we're here to do is prove, is to share the kingdom of God. So let's, uh, let's just uh, take a, a moment and pray right now and ask the Lord to give us uh, this grace to be kind. Father, I pray that you would give us boldness, that you would give us the courage to do what you are leading us to do, that we would put action behind this compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul continues to teach and he says, put on humility. Um, Romans 12, verse three, and the Amplified says, for by the grace of God given to me, I say to you, every one of you, not to think, not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has apportioned to each a degree of faith and a purpose designed for service. If I can bring out an, uh, an item of clothing, I would say this is the shirt. Humility is the shirt because the Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I think with the key with humility is how you think. How you think of yourself, how you think of God, how you think of other people, how you think of how you approach different things. You know, there's a lot of things that, that try to attack our humility. You know, I think there's pride, uh, selfishness. Um, even fear. You know, sometimes we don't see that there's actually pride and fear because fear is something that comes and attacks your trust from the Lord. It attacks your faith from God. And so even in fear, uh, you can be robbed of your, hum of your humility towards God and towards other people. But I think one of the biggest uh, competitors, one of the biggest attacks on humility is when you compare, the, 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 the act of comparison, comparing yourself to other people. Um, this, it's key in this scripture here. It says, as God has apportioned to each a degree of faith 
and a purpose designed for service. We talk about humility. I think it's important to address the fact that we are different, that we, we look different for a reason. We're wired differently. We have different gifts. We have different abilities. We have different uh, portions of faith. We have uh, different uh, purposes of service. And I think it's such a big miss today when we begin to compare ourselves with other people. We begin to look at, you know, what we can do. And then we start comparing what other people can't do in the area that I can do. And, 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 and next thing you know, pride starts to come in because you start comparing yourself with other people. You start comparing other people with other people. And pride comes in and selfishness comes in. And that, that, that thing of comparison comes in. Paul said, don't compare yourselves among yourselves because that's not wise. It's not wise. It robs from your humility. Uh, the key, one of the keys to being humble and to remaining humble is to think, not to think higher than what you need to think and to know and to think in your heart and remember that we're different. How can the hand say to the foot that it doesn't need it? How can the eye say to the mouth and the ear that they're not worth it? They're not worthy enough. They're not important enough because there's different functions. We're different. And because we're different, we can't justly compare ourselves to each other. It, this, it, it is a different, it's a different playing field. And so I believe one of the keys is, is to not compare and to continue. Uh, you know, we, in, these, in these times, you know, I'm, I'm hearing we got to pray as a nation. We got to pray as a church. But in that scripture, in 2 Chronicles 7.14, uh, it starts out by saying this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and then pray, humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I think there's an order there. You know, we, we can't successfully, effectively pray and seek the face of God without clothing ourselves with humility first. Humility is the beginning. Humility, uh, we start there and we continue there. Humility will lead us into effective prayer. Humility will lead us into effective walking in love with each other despite our differences. I think about Jonah in the Bible, uh, prophet of God who was called to um, go and preach to a people group that opposed his own people, the Ninevites. And God gives them a word to go to Nineveh and to preach to, for them to repent and to receive God, to, re, to turn their hearts to God. And his first thing that he says is, I, I'm not down with that. You know, I, I can't do that. that if I do that, they're going to turn their hearts from you and, and you're going to have grace for them. And I just don't want that. I think there was a, 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 a big gap in Jonah's heart when it came to understanding God's grace. And as a result, Jonah leaves. You know the story. He leaves the opposite way. He gets in a storm, gets swallowed by a well, gets spit out after he humbled himself. And then God comes and speaks to him the same exact word. And he goes to Nineveh. He preaches the, the good news to them. And they fast and repent, turn from their wicked ways, which you would think, man, this is, this is great. Let's celebrate this. There was so much pride in his heart. He thought it was supposed to be a specific way. So much so that he was blinded from the grace and the word of God. 
he was more concerned about his people group, about his nation, than he was of that of the status of the souls of the Ninevites. He was more concerned about his nation than heaven and hell for these people. And in chapter 4, verse 9, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry with, about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry even to death. Verse 10, But the Lord said, You have had pity on this plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh? that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. In other words, God is saying, who are we to have pride against other people? Who are we where we have not labored, where we have not created, where we have not gifted, where we have not been the, 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 the father the way God is our father? Who are we to say that this person is worthy and this person is not? Uh, I want to challenge myself, ourselves, the church. If the church wants revival, if the church wants to make a difference, we got to start by humbling ourselves uh, individually in our hearts as, as, as individual followers of Jesus Christ and collectively as a church so that we can have an impact. So right there where you are, let's pray um, for the Lord to give us humility. Father, we pray that you would just open our hearts and reveal to us what you want to say. I pray, Lord, that you would search us. And that if there be any pride, Father, we repent. Selfishness, we repent. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us clothe ourselves with humility. Give us your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul goes on to say, um, talk about gentleness. Now, this is a decision to respond according to the person's need, according to their strengths and their weaknesses and not mine. The thing about gentleness is that it's how you handle things. We're talking about proving to the world through the love of Jesus we're talking about walking in love. We're talking about the day-to-day, -day, it's gentleness. How do we approach? How do we come into a person's need? How do we come in? Well, the, being gentle is coming in with understanding first before trying to prove your point. Coming in with gentleness is, is, is realizing that I might be strong in this area, but you may not. And maybe you are, but right now you're not. And so I'm going to adjust my approach I'm going to adjust the way I come to you, the what I say, how I say it, that's being gentle. When I think about anything, this was a tough one for me because I'm like, okay, I got my shirt, I got my glasses, I got my pants, what's next? Well, maybe this can be gloves. If I can give you a, 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 an object here, it would be gloves. Because why? Because it's, it's the way you, you have to adjust with, with gentleness. It's how you handle things. If I physically uh, can paint this picture for you, I would handle a contact lens in my hand a certain way. It's delicate. Um, I, can, I can crush it very easily. It's something that is delicate, that is sensitive, that is, 
its purpose is for something else. Your eye that is also delicate, that is also sensitive. It's something that is so small that if I drop it, I can lose it easily. And so I have to be gentle with it. I have to adjust my grip with that. Now, it would be different if I had a baseball and I'm playing catch and I had a baseball in my other hand. I can, I can grab that a little bit harder. You know, even when you throw it, you want to make sure that your grip is, 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 is a certain way so that it can be thrown fast and accurately. If I drop it, it's not a big deal. It's hard. It's not delicate. Being gentle is the ability to adjust your grip. It is the ability to approach in a different way. Um, 2 Samuel twenty two thirty six. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. If you want to be great, be gentle. And if you want to be great, start at your home. Um, by loving in your home, being gentle with your spouse, what you say, how you say it, being gentle with your kids. Um, the Bible says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. When I think about being gentle with your kids, um, I learned this a little while ago, and I'd like to share this with you. Remember the three W's when you approach your children, especially when you discipline your children. And the first W is remember who you are talking to. Remember that this is a child. Remember that this is the Lord's child. Remember that no two kids are the same. Remember who you're talking to. The second one is remember what you were like when you were their age. Remember that you were a kid once. Remember you didn't get it once. Remember it was hard for you once. Remember as a teen, it was like this for you. So remember what you were like when you were their age. And the last one is remember why you are correcting them. Remember why you are teaching them. It is to... Um, train them in the way that they shall go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. Being gentle with your words, being gentle with your approach, being able to discern how to approach and how to, to adjust. So let's pray right now that the Lord would give us the grace and the wisdom to be gentle. Father, we just pause right now and we pray that you would give us the grace to be great and to be gentle with our family, to be gentle with our coworkers, to be gentle with those around us in Jesus' name. Amen. The last thing Paul talks about as far as clothing yourselves is patience. If you think about patience, you know, you think right away of something slow, something long, and there's definitely truth to that. But I believe that it is being patient is the ability to gear back to the speed of the other person's pace. It is able, being able to gear back. When you're talking about loving other people, being patient, clothing yourself with patience is the ability to, to adjust your, your pace, to, uh, to understand that we are all in a race and we're not going at the same time. And so when you think about patience, I want to share this with you. Challenge yourself with this thought. My goal is not for you to see how fast I can fix this. But rather it is to walk alongside you and help you 
at the speed that you are currently at. If I have something with your wardrobe, clothe yourselves with patience, I think it would be your shoes. Because you adjust your step, you adjust your walk, you adjust your, pay, your pace. Patience, you know, a lot of times we say, Lord, give me patience. You got screaming kids in the car, Jesus, give me patience. You know, someone cut in front of you, God, give me patience, whatever that might be. But I think the thing about patience is that it's not just given to you out of full size thing, but it's really something like faith. It's exercised. It's something that you develop. It's something that as you exercise it and as you practice it, that it grows and it continues to have its place in your life. Um, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it's the love chapter. And I think it's interesting that the first thing that is used to describe love is patience. Uh, verse 1 in, in chapter 13, it says, If I were to speak with eloquence of, in earth's many language and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clinging symbol. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possess unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but I haven't learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor, to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is patient. And I believe that we talk about proving to the world and, 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 and being the church that God has called us to be. Let us put on patience. Let us adjust our pace. Let us understand that I might not know what that person knows. That person doesn't know what I know. I might not be at the same level, the same pace, in the same season. But it's not about that. It's not about trying to prove what I know. It's not about trying to prove my strength and expose your weakness. It's about producing life. It's about loving. It's about bringing you to Jesus. It's about expressing what God has done in me. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that God has been patient with me. And if he's been patient with me, if he's given me grace, if he's extended mercy to me, then I believe he's given us the power to do that for other people. In fact, I believe the only reason that Jesus hasn't come back yet is because he's patient. Because there are still people who need to know him. There are still people who need to come into contact with his presence to be revolutionized and changed by his word and his truth and to be adopted and, and, and grafted into the family of God. Let's pray that God would give us patience. Father, I thank you for being patient with me. And I ask that you would give me grace to be patient with others. That you would help me to walk in love, to adjust my pace, and to bring life and to edify and love with your love. In Jesus' name. As we close, John 13, 35. 
Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. May we prove that there is a God who loves, that there is a God who's coming back, who cares, and that there is a God that they can know. In Jesus' name. Now, if you've been listening to this message and you're there, uh, wherever you are, I want to give you an opportunity to come into contact with this love that I've been talking about. The truth is that you cannot love with this love in this way until you've experienced this love for yourself. The Bible says that God is love. In fact, the reason that he came, the reason that you can be saved is because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So if you are far from God, if you feel far from God, if you have never made this decision to surrender your heart to to Jesus and to make him um, the Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity to do that right now. It's right there where you are. All you have to do is open your heart. And what I'd like to do is lead you in a prayer. And uh, just do this with an open heart and believe as you pray. And I believe it will change your life forever. So let's do this. If this is you, would you just repeat this after me? Say, oh God, I come to you as I am. I open up my heart to you. And I believe that you died for me. And that you cleansed me from all my sins. And I'd like to experience that right now. I surrender my life to you. I give you my all. And I ask that you would receive me as your child. And from this day forward, I will live for you. And I will love with your love. In Jesus' name, amen.